If you will, please stand with me at the reading of God's word for us. Galatians 6, 1 through 3, we'll read this. I'll refer to it a few times in the sermon, but I'm mainly going to be looking to other passages to help us understand how to do this. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You may be seated. I mean this to be kind of a part two of last week's sermon. There are things I said in that that I'm not going to repeat here to get the fullness of how we would do this. Some of it I said last week. I'm going to give you a little bit more. And the the goal of this week's sermon is to talk about this moment, the moment of verses one and two, the moment when you actually do this. There are things to say about what happens right after this that I'm not going to say. I've said in other sermons or may say in future sermons, but This is about how do we do verses 1 and 2 in that moment. And to get us into the truth, I I, I want you to consider how you might answer this common question. This common question. And that is, what are friends for? Everyone could answer that question. Everyone has an idea about what they want their friends to be. And it could be to help guard us from loneliness. It could help to be to help guard us from being bored or or anything. But what I want us to consider is that God at least partly answers that question. What are friends for by saying this? Friends don't let friends go on and sin. In the book of Galatians, we're, we're referred to as one, uh, our, our relationships as a church is referred to not, not just in the terms of friends, but specifically in the terms of family. And we've been told just now that the reason we are family is to love one another like Christ has loved sinners. That's why verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love. We're to love one another by bearing one another's burdens. In verse 1, the burden is clearly the burden of sin. So let me put it. In the language of our main point. Love won't let me leave you in sin. That's the sermon in a sentence. Love won't let me leave you in sin. The me there is me, Ryan. 
Not, not, not just because I have the role of, of pastor, but because I'm a believer. And, and, and God's view of me and my responsibility for other Christians causes me to have this conviction, love won't let me leave you in sin. And what that means is the me there has to be you as well. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to let God's desire for the relationship you have with other Christians to be, to be this. You have to have this conviction. So let me, let me ask you, is this, can you say this? Can you say this? Love won't let me leave you in sin. The title of the sermon is Love Guards. Love Guards. And, and I want to think about guarding love in two points. Number one, get ready for love. That is, you get in a position for receiving this kind of love in the moment when you are being corrected lovingly by another brother or sister. You need to get ready for that. Get ready for love. But then the, the second point is guard your beloved. You need to take part in obeying verses 1 and 2 and guarding your beloved. Point number one, get ready for love. If you have the blessing of Christian friends who will obey Jesus, they will obey Galatians 6, 1 through 2 whenever you're in sin. And so, if you're going to do that, let me just tell you, you first have to agree with God that you need, you need sin-correcting love. Do you agree? Do you agree that your sin is your greatest problem. Let me, let me just tell you. This is so unnatural for all of us. We think about problems all the time. Great problems in our lives. We rarely are agreeing with God. That sin is my, is your greatest Problem. Agree with the Lord Jesus who said what comes out of a person. Out of their mouth. From inside a person. What proceeds from the heart is what defiles. Spiritually dirties and endangers a person. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, False witness, slander, a whole world of evil is in our hearts. Will you agree with this? Will you agree and start saying to yourself this? My greatest problem. My greatest danger. My greatest enemy is in my own heart. Do you agree? Do you agree? That 
sin-correcting love is the way that God loves us. It's no coincidence that this morning, as those who were serving in the service read and pray, we were in Psalm 94, and in in that psalm it says, Blessed is the man who is rebuked by the Lord. Because he is digging a pit. The Lord is digging a pit for the wicked. And the discipline of the Lord is guarding you from the pit. And then it says, for the Lord will not forsake his people. This is how he doesn't abandon us. This is how he will not forsake us. And that's the Psalms. But then we get the New Testament. Do you agree that... God's love confronted us with a cross. You think much about that? God's love would not let him leave us in sin. Why a cross? Why his son? Will you agree with this? That there is, there is nothing that anyone can say worse about me than what God said about me on the cross. The only way I can save them is to shamefully kill the perfect and beloved Son of God. They're so sinful. They're so far away from me. The only way I can accept them. Is by a cross. Do you agree? That there is. Nothing anyone. Can say better about you than what God said about you on the cross. I will kill my son. To save them. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord, let me invite you to love. Let me invite you to love. To cruciform love. To a cross-shaped love. To confess that you cannot do anything to please God. That you have done so much to offend Him. And that you deserve hell. Come to the cross. Come to the place that tells the truth about you and me. All of God's wrath has to be poured out on you. But the Son of God took that for sinners. Come to love and receive forgiveness and receive the Lord Jesus. But you have to be confronted. With the reality of sin, if you're going to do it. Your sin and God's love. Do you agree? Do you agree that sin correcting love is the way that God has called your brothers and sisters to love you? 
you agree that we just read Galatians 6 and 1 that commands us to love like this? Do you, uh, do you agree that if you say yes to Christ, you are saying yes to this? That your Savior wants you to have loving friends who criticize you. That he wants that. You agree? Do you agree that it's dangerous to refuse this? Verse 3, anyone who thinks he's something when he's nothing has only deceived himself. You, You resisting this is pride. Listen, as you think about someone saying yes to Christ and then saying yes to this and then Christ sends someone to you, remember this, Proverbs 13, 13, whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. If you reject it, you'll destroy yourself. Love guards. It's not like a love of this world. I understand. But don't forget Proverbs 15, 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof, that's correction, gains intelligence. Do you agree that this love does not feel good? It is going to hurt. But will you also understand why it hurts? Because sin is real. He's not joking. Sin is powerful. It is desirable to us because we're sinners. And it is deceitful. That's why it's hard. Because we don't believe it. And we love it. And our pride is so strong. That's why it's hard. But listen to me. If you refuse this kind of love, you will become Veruca Salt. Do y'all know Veruca Salt? Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, that rotten brat of a girl. Famous scene. I want it now, Daddy. Daddy sought to give it to her. Everything she asked for. She said, I want it now and I don't care how. And then when Willy Wonka dared to tell her no, she said, who says I can't? Veruca groomed everyone in her life Not to tell her no. Beloved. If you do this. You will not be loved. You will be hated. Her father hated her. Don't refuse this. If if you're not going to refuse this. You. Have to agree with God. And you should. I'm telling you to get ready now for this. Get ready now for this. It's really hard in the moment. But then 
Let me also encourage you. Let believers love you. Let them guard you from sin. And I want to give you three practical, everyday kind of habits of believers who are ready for this kind of love. Number one, number one, talk about your sin. You talk about your sin. You be the one person in your life who talks most about your guilt. You lead out in this. You talk about your struggles. Let me give you something really practical. You may be familiar with the game, the get-to-know-you kind of game, the high-low game. What is, the, what is your high point today? What is your low point today? I want to encourage you. that This would be a good game for Christians to play. Uh, when we gather on Sundays, when we gather on Wednesdays, when you're having people into your home, when you meet other Christians, especially the ones you're in covenant with, play the high-low game. Say, what is the hardest part of your week and what is the best part of your week? But I'm focused on the hardest part of your week. Make your low a real low. And expose how you, that week, have specifically Dishonor God and hurt people by your sin. That will be a signal that you believe what John the Baptist believes. I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. I am not perfect. God should not trust me. You should not trust me with everything. I am not the Christ. If you, if you do that, if you are the one who talks the most about your own sin, then whenever you say to people like every person and, and certainly every Christian says, well, I'm not perfect. When you say that, people will start to actually believe you think that. And it will give a signal to them. I'm ready for your love. In other words, I will not attack you when you agree that I am not the Christ. And you bring attention to a specific way that I have failed. Talk about your sin. Secondly, ask for love. Ask for love. Now, let's just get this out of the way. Jesus Christ, the King of heaven and earth, has commanded all of his people to love in this way. And therefore, your permission to be loved in this way is not necessary. The king commands it. And if you join a real church, it is an open invitation to this. But I'm, I'm encouraging you now to especially and explicitly you to approach particular people. I want to encourage you this week to find three people who you are especially convinced know the word and love you. Three people of the same gender as you. Boys ask boys, girls ask girls. And go to them this week and say, when you see patterns of sin in my life, love me. When you see destructive sins, confront me. Can I encourage you to say something else? Tell them, I won't like it. I won't like it when you do it. And I pray and hope that I 
don't make this hard on you, but I, I may really hurt you for loving me like this. And then say, please, do not let my response stop you from loving me. Please, don't leave me to face my sin alone. Love me. Number three, drop your defenses. When they do it, drop your defenses. Proverbs 13.10, by insolence or pride, by pride comes nothing but strife. But wisdom comes to those who take Advice, what what it's saying is that this will happen to proud people and what they will do is strive with the person who's loving them. They will fight the person who is loving them. Drop your defenses. Proverbs 17.10, listen to God. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. That means fools get corrected a hundred times. And they won't learn from any of them. I'm not saying every rebuke you receive is right. I'm not saying that. But do you agree that you're a sinner? And that must mean you sin. And you probably do wrong like me all the time. Do you believe that you may be blind to your greatest sins? In the moment, you may not agree, but drop your defenses. And part of that is you wait. Later, you can ask God outside of that moment. You can ask other counselors about how right that rebuke is. But when you get it. I mean, especially from someone who has proven themselves. Don't listen to yourself. Don't give an answer unless the answer is thank you. But talk to yourself. Talk to yourself in that moment. Talk to yourself. Say what the psalmist says in Psalm 141. Let a righteous man strike me. This is kindness. Let him, this righteous person, rebuke me. Talk to yourself. Let not my head refuse it now. Let not my head refuse it now. Let the strike land. If you hold on to your self-defending pride when someone is trying to restore you, then you are only defending yourself from the love of God. And if you're not careful, you will drive away the most loving messengers He has given to you. Love won't let me leave you in sin. So get ready for love. By faith, this is what God's will is for you if you're a Christian. Get ready for love. But secondly, and the other side of this, is you, you need to obey verses 1 and 2. Guard your beloved. Guard the one you love. I want to give you seven tips 
for guarding love. Seven tips for guarding love. Two convictions to keep. Two convictions to keep with you. And five principles to follow. Two convictions to keep. Number one, you too are weak. You too are weak. There's a song that I have on repeat. It's called Storehouse by the Grey Havens. And I especially listen to this before correcting someone. And it goes like this. I've been a fool. I've been a fool. Went down. Thought I could walk the line. There's the line between safety and danger. The line, go up to the line of sin. And be just in time to turn back around and be safe. Thought I could give into temptation a little bit. But I fall through that old forbidden door. I fall again and again. And though I knew the stakes, I still made my way just like every time before. You too are weak. This is our song. We sin over and over. Or like like Jesus says in Matthew. Why do you correct the speck in someone's eyes when you've got a log in your own eye? Remove the log first. What we're doing in this is we're, we're, we're saying that chorus of that song. We're saying, I'm going to go to the storehouse of mercy. God is full of mercy because I'm, I'm full of sin and he's got mercy for me. I'm going to go to the storehouse of mercy. And as I'm correcting you, won't you come with me? Come to the Lord. Be restored to him. There's mercy for you. That's what we're doing. The second conviction you need to keep is love must control. Love must control. That's what we just read in 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ controls us. It controls us. It determines us. It directs us. Because ever since he died for our sins and was raised for our life, we who live no longer Live for ourselves. We live for others. After living for his sake. We live for his sake. And he sent us to do this. The love of Christ controls us. How he loved us controls how we love others. He set us free from ourselves to love others like him. And the love of Christ looks this way. My cost For your good. I'll take the cost. For your good. Love guards. Love controls. In these interactions. In these moments. I just want to take a moment and say. If, if this kind of interaction. Is foreign to you. If you don't do this. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. It's because your love is deficient. That's why you don't do it. Love won't let me leave you in sin. 
two convictions to keep, five principles to follow. The first principle is pray. It's a great question that was asked on at Midweek Manna. The question was, uh, which one of these two situations is, is harder? To be the one who is restored and, and to repentance or to be the one who goes to the one who needs restoration? I thought that's a great question. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer it now. I'm going to answer it Sunday. Here's the answer. Both are impossible. No sinner can repent. And no sinner can love with gentleness to restore the sinner. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So pray. And after you get done praying, understand you're not going to have strength to do it. You're not going to have words to do it before you need them. He answers prayer when you're obeying. Pray. Number two, address sin. Galatians 6 verse 1 does not say if anyone is caught transgressing your preferences. It doesn't say if anyone is caught transgressing your convictions. It doesn't say, do the people around you spend time differently than you, spend money differently than you, parents differently than you. It doesn't say if anyone is caught hurting you even. So listen, speck hunters are not loving. Finding the smallest thing and correcting every single thing is not loving. What we're after here is, is there a sin in God's eyes? In his word. Pray. Address sin. Thirdly, choose your words carefully. We do all of us well to memorize Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Talk that ruins, that corrupts. But only let talk come out of your mouth that is good for building up, that can be used to edify them to trust in the Lord as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, that may give heavenly power and blessing to those who will hear. Two practical points on this. Choose your words carefully. First of all, use Scripture. Use Scripture. It's Scripture that James is talking about in James chapter 1. If, if anyone's a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks in the mirror. God's showing him who he really is. God's showing the truth about who he is. And he walks away unchanged. Use Scripture. Hold up God's mirror, not your preferences, not your opinions, not your wisdom. Use Scripture. The second practical advice for choosing your words carefully is ask questions. Ask questions. I didn't make this sentence up, but you should write it down. 
Accusations harden the will. But questions convict the conscience. When you ask a question, you're naturally inviting them to evaluate. It is gracious. It's what God does in the garden. He gives them a chance to come to it. He gives a space for God to do his good work. Use scripture and ask questions. Fourth, practical help for the one who would guard their beloved. Is bear their reproach. Bear their reproach. The closer you get to cherished sins. Even if you do it really well. They may see you as a threat. And they may treat you like an enemy. Bear their reproach. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. What what, what I mean from 2 Corinthians 5. We, ministers of reconciliation, we are ambassadors sent from Christ. It is God who is making his appeal through us. That's what we're doing. We're imploring you on behalf of God. Be reconciled to God. It may really hurt. It may be really personal. It may be really directed. It may be really costly. Don't take it personally. They're not attacking you. Their aggression is aimed at someone else. Don't take it personally. But then also remember. When you have to bear their reproach. Don't chase their approval. Don't chase their approval. This week in God's providence. I was reading a quote from Mark Dever that said this. If you follow Jesus. And isn't this following Jesus? Loving like Jesus. If you follow Jesus. Do not be surprised that you end up where he did. Taking a cross. And then being accepted by God. It's his approval. We're looking for. Pray. Address sin. Choose your words carefully. Bear their reproach. Finally. Don't give up. Don't give up. A year ago, I was developing a friendship with a brother who I'm not normally around. I was just with him for a period of time. I, I started to notice a sin that was really dishonoring to the Lord and harmful to him. So I started praying, God, do I say something? How do I say something? And and the day came where I was going to say something. I was looking for opportunities to say this to this person. It 
and the things I was looking for didn't happen. And so then this moment came up where I thought, I've got to say something now. But it wasn't the thing I planned. I fumbled through it. I didn't say all the things that I think God led me to want to say. It didn't happen awesome. But I did communicate something. And then it ended. And then I haven't seen this brother since. And he, text, he texted me uh, like four months after that. We're still good friends. We talk a lot. But there's something kind of off with the friendship until he sent this text. And he said, I should also say, thank you for graciously confronting me last summer. I hated it, of course. But it was both necessary and helpful. The book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. For the moment, listen, for the moment, all discipline, all of it, seems painful rather than pleasant. For the moment, in the moment, what are you hoping it's going to feel like? And it all feels painful and not pleasant. Listen, comma. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, at least for those who will be trained by it. Later, there is a distance between the hard moment and then the good moment. There's a comma in there. That could last months. Some people, when confronted, immediately soften. And it is obviously a miracle that we all rejoice in. For others, it takes a while. And for some, they never soften. You will grow weary doing this. You will grow weary doing this. You risking. You sacrificing yourself for the good of others. You'll get weary with the accusations, with the hatefulness, with the slander. I have gotten there more times than I can count. More times than I can count. I have said to Kelly or said to Mickey or said to the elders, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you are going to be faithful, you are going to get there. Remember this. We do not do it Because someone else asked us to do it. We do not do this. Just because that person always shows that they're ready for it. We do not do this. Only when it is going to work. We do this because Jesus tells us to do this. And Jesus loved us this way. Jesus came to 
accusing people, murderous people, slanderers. And for us, he laid down his life. Because he loves us like that. Love guards. Don't give up. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would take this word, do more than any one of us can make it do. That you would make us a people who have the conviction. Love won't let me leave you in sin. And create in us a people who look just like Christ. For his glory and real blessing. Amen.